Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Brian Taylor Marshall, with my permanent guest, Cammy. What is up, Cammy? Uh, just you know, quarantine. Howdy, howdy. Trying to stay safe. Yeah. Uh, what's up with you? Uh, yes, me too. <laughs> it's the it's the very end of the semester, <laughs> so okay. I turned in one paper, and then I get like assigned one more that's as long as like a really big one that i just did so i'm a little frazzled um do you have time to do it or are you like on the edge i have time to do anything do if i have time to do it well that's a different story unfortunately um (laughs) that's that's what my brain has been thinking of like i can do anything but can i do it well now one thing i know i can do well is talk to my friend cammy about our wonderful subject today we're going into the cryptid territory again which i didn't realize this was cryptid territory but i just keep forgetting what a cryptid is cammy <laughs> what is a cryptid and what cryptid are we talking about today uh i don't know the exact definition for a cryptid but i think it would be like an like an animal that doesn't really exist but you know people think it does i mean i, I don't know the actual definition them jersey devil people do I know we should have contacted them. <laughs> I bet they're not doing anything because they can't like gather in groups and go out in the woods. <laughs> this is when the Jersey Devil's out. No one's outside. All right, I don't know why they have that accent. Oh boy, <laughs> the Pine Barrens. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about the Loch Ness monster or Nessie. Yeah, yeah. This was a one, a nice one in the bucket that you just kind of have to hit eventually. Um, and it's fun. I, I, we, you know, Cammy and I, when we record the show, so before we jump in, um, mystery every week, we'll hit, we'll pick a topic, we'll pick uh, a cryptid, we'll pick a historical event, a legend, something like that, and then we'll just kind of dig into it. Um, in the past, we've talked about Jersey Devil, um, Chupacabra, as far as cryptids go, but we've done a ton of great stories like Hercules and Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, um, and so Nessie just, yeah, I mean, you, it's like you got to hit Nessie. I'm surprised it took us this long. Yeah, eventually you but have to when, get there. It's like, right. going to be like the 40th one, right? Or something close to. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, it's funny looking into it. I was, I've never like researched or looked into Nessie. Uh, and it's, it's very, it's very straightforward. It's, it's refreshingly simple. Um, so uh, I know you've got a little little uh, blurb for us um, about Nessie, a fun story. And I, I really like this. When I was researching it, I really like this story, um, especially how it ends. But um, will you regale us with the, this, the first chronicle of this beautiful, non-existent creature? You starting. Right. So, yeah, I my sources were, I watched an episode of Monster Quest. Oh, nice. That's the same show you watched before, right? <laughs> Yes, I I really like it because they genuinely go in and and look for this thing, like whatever the monster is. I think <laughs> I use them for Jersey Devil, I believe. Yeah, I, I that's know right. I watched something. Yeah, right. And then anomalyinfo.com, the Loch Ness monster, and they had basically on that they had a link to um, We Took Columbi by Adam Nunn. And this is basically, that translates to 
the life of Columba, who is going to be the saint I am talking about, who actually saw the Loch Ness Monster. Right. So I, I didn't know how old this legend was, uh, or, or how old it would be, or how far back we would find like first-hand accounts. I assumed it would be dating back to the first photographs, which were basically the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was looking for stories for that. I didn't see a whole lot. And then I, I watched this monster quest and uh, <laughs> it's so crazy because in 565 CE, St. Columba needed to cross the river Ness. And according to the book about his life, the Wida Columbe, Columba had been living with uh, the Picts. And mm. when he left for the river, uh, he came upon the shores of Benes and he saw a man that was being buried. The people burying Massetti, he only, he had only died like a little bit before uh, Columba had walked up. And he had been swimming in the water when he was bitten by a great sea creature that lived in the lake. The man had then been pulled to a boat that brought him aboard and he had already succumbed to the injuries uh, while they were trying to carry him back. So St. Columba ordered one of his men to swim the river and, and row back, basically to kind of tease the monster out. Mm-hmm. The monster felt the water being disturbed and quickly swam towards the man. It broke the surface of the water and opened its mouth with a loud beastly roar. St. Columbus saw that his follower was in distress and all the people surrounding him were frozen in fear. And he took swift action and made a cross in the air. He then commanded the beast with these words, thou shalt go, go no further nor touch the man, go back with all speed. Mm. And the beast was shaken by the words of this holy man, (laughs) and it quickly reversed its course as if God himself had reigned in the monster. It had come within a spear shaft, that's how they described it, like the length of the spear shaft of of the follower of Kumba. And as soon as the water settled and the beast had returned to the depths, the follower rode back to shore. All of the on- onlookers, even the godless men among them, saw this as a miracle <laughs> and began to praise the Christian God. So, I love that. I love yeah. that. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll start. So, yeah, St. Columba um, is actually like a big deal. Um, I did not know who it was. So, and no, I neither did I. Into it. Yeah, no, this so is I'm great. Glad you <laughs> yeah, and like, some of the same info. Like I said, as far as you know, I, I, I'll like spoiler warning. It's it, it's really straightforward and simple as far as Nessie goes. But um, so Columba, he was an Irish-born saint who is credited with essentially. How did he a, get that name? Um, I don't say. No, I didn't see that. I, I don't know. I, I think I don't know if when you're granted sainthood, your name changes um, or not. Um, or maybe you get to choose your name when you're maybe. getting priesthood. Yeah, Britannica says his name is Saint Columba, also called Column or Columkilla. 
or uh, Columbkill. Oh, it was just like a romanization of the Irish name. Could be, yeah, could be. Um, You know, this is so he he was around. This is around. um, uh, He he was born five twenty one and lived till about five ninety seven, is what they believe. So this is, uh, you know, this is the, the early beginnings of the British Isles. It, the Roman influence, all of this sort of coming together, the Christianization of of the lands. Um, and that's, he's credited with converting Scotland, basically, to Christianity. Um, that's that's his big, so he was a real dude. Um, and he was, uh, uh, <laughs> there's, I, 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 I couldn't go far into this episode without bringing up um, Bernard Cornwell's The Last Kingdom, uh, the Saxon series. Because of it's, course. I know it, it's just so. Well, one season four on Netflix. I'm now. gonna have to to read or watch or whatever, however you consume this, because you keep talking about it's, it and I don't. Guys, <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good, and it's on when, like a TV show. It's on Netflix. the The, okay. the show's called The Last Kingdom, and the books are called the Saxon series. Um, when it's, I like, am not watching Motherland, which is on Hulu, <laughs> I'm gonna right. watch that. Yeah, you love it. Yeah, it's great. Um. And what's really it does Bernard Cornwell, he I I mentioned it in other shows, so forgive me if you've heard it for the fifth time, but he does a great job of teaching through his nonfiction or through his fiction, excuse me. Um, And he's giving historical events um, through uh, a fictional character, but it's it's completely based in reality. And one great thing he does is he he loves to like kind of like. He, he he makes fun of Christianity in a way, not not like in uh, against it, um, because it 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 wins. It completely decimates the the pagans, the Danes, the Vikings. They all lose, and they don't lose because they all died. They all lose because they all became Christians, you know. Um, and that that's the fun thing. And so, seeing like when well, one other it's a compelling argument when you can <laughs> right. use the words of your God to yeah. Um, make a sea beast (laughs) exactly and that's exactly yeah and that's you know the pagan stories were just as crazy and we talked about we had a great um uh episode for halloween on sawain the the sort of the irish origin of halloween and we talked about how um when ireland christianized it it kept a lot of its its magic its 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 roots were really kept into the system uh and so while they were Christian, they were they were a very kind of different sort of Christian in a way, um, and so just thinking of this just makes me makes me laugh. Uh, and and any and Christ, especially at this time, they loved their saints. Um, the saints were a big deal in early Roman Christianity as well. And uh, the the Irish and the Gaelic Celtic nations were no different. Um, they loved these saints. So this dude and his disciples doing stuff all over Scotland. Um, and the botanic, you know, area, it, it's just great. And I just, I love the idea of him, like, yelling Lord, the word of God at this creature. And it's just like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so regarding Loch Ness, um, really, as far as it goes, um, 565 was the Columba event. And um, we know it because of this chronicle, Um and I love this word too. I found this word. The the they call it his the, the writing of him. His life is called hagiography, ha- which um, 
essentially means like holy writings, and Hagio meaning like like Hagia Sophia, like holy wisdom, like holiness. And I because I, I saw that word, and I was like, what does that mean? And so I just love that it's its own like genre, like the writing of these saints. Um, so we have these these primary sources that tell us that he was a person, and this was apparently one of his things. And this this was apparently like a really common thing to include these old creatures. Um, be it like uh, I don't think they would necessarily would have used like a, a Scottish selkie or something like that, but um, kelpies, the water horses, um, and specifically so these serpent like creatures in Irish um, and or Gaelic Celtic uh, mythology. They're I'm gonna butcher the name um, Corianach and Oliphist. These are these two serpenty beasts, um, which you know probably could get their own episode, but they're basically uh, the the Aldi Feist is um, an Irish sea serpent beast um, in Irish folklore, and the Corianach was like a uh, an important one, basically, um, and ha- uh, dealt with Saint uh, Patrick and, and all this other great stuff. So hopefully, maybe that's an episode in its own right. But so there's this connection of these saints doing crazy, awesome things, and. Uh, I think this is just his sort of version of that. And literally that's it for like a thousand years, more than a thousand years. Um, It's not until I, yeah, it's not until 1802 that um, a gentleman, Alexander MacDonald um, sees something big in Loch Ness. That's like kind of it. Um, Then we've got a little bit of something. Did he have a description of it or was just like, uh, it's, all a, moving in the water it's it's quoted um so Britannica and Wikipedia describe he, he describes a large stubby legged animal surfacing um and propelling itself uh within fifty so, yards of the shore. So like so, an elephant walking around in the water? Yeah, yeah, like elephant legged like thing, yeah. And it's funny you say that. So um Either there'd be a couple sightings at, at the, or one or more sighting basically at the end of the 1800s um, of a uh, an object resembling a log or a boat um, wriggling and churning up the water and then disappearing fast at a faster speed. Um, so this started to kind of like increase some stuff. And then it was um, in 33, this guy George Spicer, he and his wife saw a most extraordinary form of an animal cross the road in front of their car. So apparently like they had just recently in, in the thirties, um, had just recently built like the first main road, um, around the area. And so, um, it was kind of a big deal. And I guess not everyone would really be able to go around it. And so it was just a big deal. Um, there was a couple other like personal sightings that ha- people had made. One guy did, had made Did a- they describe the monster at all? Yeah. The that they saw Yes, yeah, yeah. It was. It started to be described as. So they saw the. This is where the long neck, the long narrow neck came in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the legs got described later um, as being stubby, and uh, this got one guy. Um, uh, was it Arthur Grant? Yeah, Arthur Grant. He was the one who was a, a veterinarian, and he described it as a cross between a, a seal and a plesiosaur. He literally said that. So uh, this <laughs> is where the the imaging kind of comes in and then in 34 we have the big one from robert kenneth wilson who um <laughs> didn't realize this he's a gynecologist um <laughs> i don't know why that's funny uh i mean he, yeah it is, though. 
Yeah, he was a London gynecologist. Um, so he's just in Scotland having I fun. Think, he's I like, think a gynecologist in the 1930s is just laughable because I, th- I, I mean, London, what did they know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 A London gynecologist visiting Scotland, making up for like just screwing with Scotland. Um, he. So this is what's called the surgeon's photograph, which is the very famous gray image that we have the neck turning up to the right. Um, it has always looked like. Like going back to elephants, that's that's why it's like like an elephant. It's always looked like an elephant trunk to me. Sure, that's yeah, absolutely. Always, and and I think you have an explanation that's not that, but that's what it's always looked like. Yeah. So several sightings from then in to basically the modern era. Um, tons of hoaxes. There was one incident where people made fake footprints using a hippo's leg. Um, oh really? Yeah. Um, and a, a bunch of other. Uh, in 92, um, Wilson, I, I don't know if he personally came out, but it finally was discovered that it was a hoax, that it, it didn't, t- that the, uh, the picture, the surgeon's photograph from the 30s was a toy, um, with a, a toy submarine with fake, like, wooden plastic on it to make it look like that, and he was just basically screwing. Um, so, it, it other than, I mean, like, now we're going into the similar pattern of other cryptids where, you know, people see it, um, little things from here and there. Um, there, where someone uh, in, like, the early 2010s saw, thought they saw something on Google Maps. Um, it's just really funny. <laughs> but, uh, that's kind of it as far as it goes. Um, <laughs> they... Now the the lock it, it's it's the biggest uh, basically like the biggest and deepest like lake essentially in the in Great Britain. Um, so it, I mean this place is it, it's quite fascinating um, in its own right as far as land goes. But uh, yeah, it, it there's really nothing else. Um, <laughs> I'd love it. I mean, there's tons of like ideas of what it could be, even being like a long necked uh, newt. Or, uh, you know, who knows what else. Um, but the plesiosaur thing is the big one. Yeah, that's what it supposedly looks like. But there was this uh, guy in the Monster Quest who they were interviewing. And it was just, like, really sad. Because he had devoted his entire life since he was a little kid to finding the Loch Ness Monster because he loved being at the lock and he'd heard the stories when he was a child and I think he had some incident too but he was like yeah I think it's a catfish (laughs) (laughs) just totally destroys him yeah and he's like sitting there making these these clay like I guess that's what he does for money he makes like clay like souvenirs of Nessie yeah um but he's like yeah I'm pretty sure it's just a catfish (laughs) it's funny um, it's funny and it's horribly sad that he's yeah. living his life, but he's just like. I mean, it's idea. There's there's ways you can approach it. Um, I I think I think what's important here is it's it's an important part of Scottish folklore. It, it's funny too. Wikipedia or no Britannica um, credits. Uh, it's apparently estimated that it brought in uh, in the early 21st century. It is it was thought that it contributed nearly 80 million annually. Scotland's economy, just like the idea of it. And we've talked about the Yeti before and how finance, like in the 70s, 
um, the source that I used, I can't remember off the top of my head everything, but the, the source that I used that kind of talks about it, when he visited um, the mountains in the 70s where the Yeti was and when he was kind of looking into it, they were selling Yeti things then in the 70s in South Asia. And it's just crazy to think that they were like capitalizing it at that point, you know? To me, that just sounds obtuse, but like, I mean, in, in the early 19th century or in the 21st century, um, it's contributing so much to that. And even before then, though, I mean, it's like I said that Christianity is super important. Um, it, and it, it are the saints with their stories. I mean, it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, again, Last Kingdom does a really great job of like showing that like these Vikings um, are reading this church and they have a a glass painting of these um, saints who were killed by the Romans, and they're like, they're like, oh yeah, they were the, the Romans tried to kill them, but they didn't die, even though they were hurt so badly. And they're like, oh well, let's try it today, and they do it on a priest right there, and they're like, oh, it didn't work. Um, and so, oh my God. I know it's oh, it's it's horribly great, um, but it, it it's it's really important to the national mythology um, and identity to Scotland, uh, I think. And it, so for. I, that is really sad, but I, I think you've just gotta you gotta think of it in a way that's more you know, it, it doesn't have to be it, we we like we talked about on our fairies episode with Peter, you know, like just because it's not real it doesn't mean it's not some magic behind it and some oh, no, flavor. I don't mean it's sad that it's not real. I just meant like this guy devoted oh, get his, his entire life. Yeah. But the one cool th- I mean, this guy got to live in a van down by the river for like thirty <laughs> years. That's funny. And that's all he does. I mean, that's, you know, he got to opt out of society, basically. Sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he's kind of my hero right now, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, when, and, you know, I, I forgot one thing on Wikipedia that I saw that caught my eye that I noted was there was a, um, uh, a article that appeared in a Scottish newspaper in 1879 that describes a, a beast in the lock um as a uh, and it specifically calls it a kelpie um and it says this kelpie had been in the habit of appearing as a beautiful black horse no sooner had the weary unsuspecting victim seated himself in the saddle than away darted the horse with more than the speed of a hurricane and plunged into the deepest part of loch ness and the rider was never seen again <laughs> so like not a good idea to get on water horses um just like that but I, I, it's cool that like in the 1880s this was sort of talked about, and this, the, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, there, it was a uh, a Swedish naturalist in in eighty was trying to talking about it, and he he thinks that the Loch Ness, that these myths are all kind of integrated. Like I, we kind of think of Loch Ness as its thing, and you know, the what um, Saint Columba, what he he wasn't dealing with the Loch Ness monster like as we know it, you know. He was dealing right, with yeah. a, a monster serpent thing of the sea that was very common, and, and this in this time period, people would have believed that the Selkies, you know, like their wife could have been a crazy mermaid girl, um, and well, that sort of thing. thing so, about, yeah, like one thing about that whole like the saints and these trials that the saints are going through. I mean, it, they're basically the people that existed in these lands where Christianity was taken over or taking over, they, they had their own mythology before that. And they had these gods that this pantheon of gods, and now they have to believe in one God, but 
that leaves room for a lot of like heroes. yeah you know what oh I'm yeah saying? yeah absolutely so yeah the the Saints that's it feel that role. yeah we when we talked about it on the irish episode two it's it's like you can't stop people from celebrating uh here i'll use bernard cornwell again he, he talks about um easter and the main character who who was a saxon christian and then turned pagan he he makes fun of the the everyone celebrating easter and he's like you all are celebrating easter but i'm i know it's aostra's feast it's the god goddess aostra's feast of love and fertility and sort of the explanation is like we can't stop this tradition that's like old as time but we can flip it so it's okay so it's not heathen and pagan um right. we can use and, it to our own devices exactly yeah so it was just a sort of way of framing the world as they knew it in a way that made more sense and and because i mean they there was no reason to not believe in these horrible beasts um but there was a way to to believe that it was you know god's will that they didn't hurt them and things like that so um yeah but uh so it it's really fun it nessie's is a it's a really singular sensational thing from because of the 30s but it's it's roots go deeper and when you look into it it's really about scottish uh lore and mythology which is really really cool on its own right too um we can uh, abs- I was looking through it, and we can absolutely do some more episodes on that. Um, we have a few episodes on like Britannic stuff. Uh, I'd really recommend looking at our King Arthur episode that we did with Peter, the first one that Peter joined us. That was a really good way of kind of looking into the old Britannic stuff. But um, well, yeah, can't, can't thank you so much for that wonderful little story. Uh, of yeah, thanks for the history. It was very Saint Columba um, converting the than, picks. Um, yeah. It was a lot different than uh, what we found out about Chupacabra, for sure. I know, I know. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah, please check out that episode. Yeah, um, we hope you're all doing well. And, and uh, it, for if you do want to look into it a little bit more, I mean, there's there's tons of documentaries and things on Nessie. So if you want that cryptid look, check out like the show Cam you mentioned or, or anything like that. But um, yeah, The I'm Last sure Kingdom. The X-Files, I mean, they don't have an episode, but they like mention Nessie a couple times. Right. <laughs> um, but The Last the last Kingdom is really good at um season four actually just got put up this week on netflix there's four seasons of it and it's it's really easy to binge very game of thronesy but like i said all rooted in history um and i would say the first like two seasons especially are like like 10 out of 10 the the, the new ones are fine they just the books it's funny like where the books are now he's like he's supposed to be like 50 years old but he's obviously not the actor's not 50 but they <laughs> so they make it work but um that and then there's another um great show on or a movie on netflix called the outlaw king that's um about robert the bruce and the independence of scotland essentially uh, or the working of the independence of scotland um he's credited for that uh, kind of you know very brave hardy um era and um has chris pine in it and it was really well made as well uh came out a couple years ago very fun good film uh, i really enjoyed it cool did I lose you? No, no, I'm here. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll cut the pauses out. Um, cool. Cammy, thanks again, and uh, everyone, just hang in there. Let us know what you think, and um, we will catch you guys next time. Oh. Okay.